and we have been fortunate to have a very clear policy framework especially in the last 2 3 years or couple of years where several regulations and policy directives have been formulated by both the central government and the state government mm-hmm. in the areas of clean city the area of smart distribution Hi I am Abhishek Ranjan I am VP of Power Market and Smart Projects including Renewable at BSCS Delhi and you are listening to Understanding the Future podcast Hello everyone I am Puneet Gandhi Senior Associate with the Climate Center for Cities at the National Institute of Urban Affairs and welcome to the season 3 of Understanding the Future podcast I have been working and studying in the field of sustainability and climate change for more than 8 years and I have realized that I have a lot of questions on how we can build cities in India that are more climate focused with understanding the future podcast I interact with experts entrepreneurs and government officials to understand what it takes to bring all the different solutions to the ground as well as how can systemic changes be developed on ground We will further anchor all the topics being discussed with different skill sets required. This will help us understand the future of cities and future of work in Indian context. If you are tuning in for the first time, do check out our previous episodes. Also, don't forget to check out the Climate Practitioners India Network, a members-led solutions-oriented platform for climate practitioners across India. And join it through the show notes. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, I am your host Puneet Gandhi, and today we have with us Mr. Abhishek Ranjan. He is the VP Systems Operation, Power Market, and Head Renewable Smart and DSM Projects at BSCS Delhi. He will help us understand about urban smart. Welcome to the show, Mr. Abhishek. Thank you, Mr. Puneet. A pleasure of being today with you. uh thank you for taking out time and uh, coming on the show i'm i'm glad that we could get your thoughts uh, on this show as well because uh, we feel that your experience is quite valuable in this field and uh, your personal thoughts as well as what your your journey would be quite fascinating as well and i think that will form a good episode for us as well today. thank you uh, so we'll start with the first a uh, question which is a basic question that i want to start off with is uh what do we mean by urban smart grid what are we actually talking about when we are talking about smart urban grid and how can we contextualize that for the indian perspective as well urban smart and grid there are three words actually right so and they are indicating to a common concept and which can be actually visualized and implemented on the ground now when i talk about grid grid is thought to be a mesh of wired and network but in the modern context not only the wired network but also the non wired assets also form a part of the grid or the uh, smart grid when you talk about the world called smart the smart has many connotations for example the grid itself is intelligent to respond to the variability be it from the demand side or from the supply side now the supply side could be embedded within the demand when we which is known as distributed energy resources 
intelligent means it can predict and adapt itself, self-healing, resilience, reliable. And when you talk about urban, urban is having some kind of geographical context or connotation. So a typical urban, rural, semi-urban kind of scenario. So in urban, you, you typically feel that the reliability and availability of power is of a higher degree. I'm talking from a power perspective. The services are more reliable. System is more resilient and reliable. So if the system and uh, services are more reliable and resilient, what do you mean by a urban smart grid? How it is different from a rural grid or maybe a semi-rural grid? So one thing is for sure, when you talk about an urban smart grid, it is supposed to be connected to the main grid. When you talk about the main grid, you are talking about a complete mesh or a chain, value chain of 60, right from an ESV or extra high voltage level up to the meter of your consumer and even behind the meters. Today we are talking about behind the meters as well, which is also a part of this market. Any device which is having visibility to the utility is also a part of the smart grid. It may not be wired directly but it may be visible through the so many other avenues of telecom channels and communication. So in, in a nutshell, our urban smart grid is supposed to be a heavily networked grid which could be wired or non-wired, which has intelligence and resilience and reliability to provide access to complete clean energy services. So I'm talking about not only city, I'm talking about energy services, where in the present context, we talk about the deep decarbonization. So uh, I'll take a pause here, please. Sure, sure. No, that's a, that's a very well put, uh, I think, thought over there, because uh, you have covered a lot of different components of the grid, which uh, generally a lot of people miss out and they don't realize uh, specifically that, okay, there are so many components to the whole electricity market. Uh, so I, I do want to come to the clean side of it as well and be as, as you had mentioned. But uh, before we go into that, uh, let's try and uh, understand a bit more on the lines of uh, what are we talking about smart and uh, what all things have we actually done in India as well on national or city level to make it a smart city? What all things are currently already happening in India. Sure. Now, uh, the government of India and uh, many state governments are working on the concept of the smart city, for example. So, when you talk about the smart city, different kinds of consumer-related services are automated and provided. For example, many public utility services are made online now. Hmm. Be it acquiring a new electricity connection or a telecom connection or getting your ration card, driving license, so many passport, so many things are a card or a, a, a bank account opening. Hmm. Or maybe you are opening a mutual fund account, financial related parameters, getting a birth certificate. So all these utility services are getting online at a uh, services of your home. For example, getting a solar heater connection or an EV. We, we recently started a single window portal for uh, consumers in Delhi where mm. they can acquire an EV connection along with an EV AC, EV supply equipment or in simple words, EV charger while sitting at home. 
they can choose from the e-marketplace where they have a display of the different services yeah. and then they can, they can do it. So, uh, uh, in, in this context, uh, you are providing such kind of services which is already implemented in India, especially in the urban region. You talk about the likes of Amazon, for example. So, Amazon is providing services to the customers online. It was a boon in the COVID, uh, during these COVID years. In majority of the cities and urban clusters, especially. Hmm. So, in our country, for example, especially when you talk about Delhi, you have convenience of acquiring and accessing different public services, utility services, right from the city up to the telecom and other services which I explained. Yeah. And apart from that, you, you have uh, 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 your day-to-day -day needs, your day-to-day -day needs which are available at, at your fingertips. Mobile apps. These days, you are acquiring so many services through your smartphones, which is already there. But payment gateways, and now you're talking about the cryptocurrencies. You talk about the complete home ecosystem, booking from a holiday to booking of a hotel to booking a food order for you, Zomato's, Swiggy's, booking a Netflix for you, entertainment. So whatever surrounds a common citizen in the society, modern society is available at your fingertips. Yeah. Right? So this is now is called a smart ecosystem. Yeah. Now electricity is also getting productized, it's no longer a commodity. The smart energy services based upon apps, for example. Hmm. So uh, just like you have data plans, you have electricity plans now going to come in for. Uh, that is on Android now. Energy services, energy plans. Okay, smart energy yeah. plans. Green tariff is being increased in our country, for example. I'm coming to that. So you can avail, okay, I want 20% of my power as green component or 30%, 100%, something like that. So yeah. that option is now also, I mean, the government is rolling out the necessary regulations and the rules for it, and that is being implemented. So what I'm saying is, smartness has uh, seen and, uh, you know, penetrated in every aspect of the human life today, starting mm -hmm. from electricity, entertainment, groceries, your day-to-day -day needs, your holiday, your uh, jobs, I mean, everybody is... Uh, Acquiring jobs or hunting, hunting on the LinkedIn profile, for example, no needs for physical interviews. You are joining your new organization online. You are working from remote, work from home, which is the new normal. So yeah. all these things are possible due to the smart ecosystem that is around us. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, in India, we all have all these kind of services. You have, for example, your medical history. Yeah. Medical service, for example. They are all telemedicine. They are all available. Today, in India, in sitting in Delhi, you can avail uh, services of doctors through video teleconsulting. For example, he's an expert in Apollo. Yeah. You can do video consulting. You can get yourself treated for many of the diseases online only. You don't need to visit the center. Yeah. You can book your slot for COVID vaccination. So all these things are possible because of the smart things, as you say, smart uh, ecosystem which is in place for you. Yeah, and I absolutely agree, and it's it's quite fascinating to see that uh, such kind of technology and uh, penetration is coming here now, which is very important because I have seen and I have specifically worked on these lines as well of peer-to-peer -peer lending and uh, in the electricity market, which is something that a lot of concepts have come out. A lot of people are trying across the world. Uh, 
but in india it's still because of uh, what we say a uh, more linear approach to the distribution company that has traditionally been there uh, how is that shift coming along there because that is something which is very uh, which has its own set of processes which has helped itself but when we are talking about such kind of energy plan the energy services coming in how do those regulations change what all things are required for that now exactly so you raised a very important point punith here because the policy framework is utmost important for rolling out of these smart services and we have been fortunate to have a very clear policy framework especially in the last 2 3 years or couple of years where several regulations and policy directives have been formulated by both the central government and the state government mm-hmm. in the areas of clean city the area of smart distribution uh, of electricity energy how you can uh, uh, improve upon the access of the clean energy to the weakest section of the society mm-hmm. how you can deeply penetrate the market structure the power market structure i am talking from the power industry perspective yeah and Uh, there are several other sectors also for example cyber security is there or consumer rights they are there multiple policy directives amendments ease of doing business they have been introduced by the government so that is very very important now yeah. when you talk about the electric utilities the priorities of the different electric utilities in the country would be different depending upon where are they in their life cycle curve for example utilities in delhi we are already at a single digit of say for example law production yeah. okay so for us it will be prudent and we are more inclined towards more value added services based upon technology for our consumers yeah okay because the collection efficiency is already at 100% uh, metering and uh, billing is almost 100% yeah. and we are providing uh, services to the consumers the power load shedding etc is also negligible nothing 99% availability as mm-hmm. per the supply code uh, performance regulations so what next can be done so that, look, what value can be added to the consumer value added services for example which i explained to you about uh, more and more so in the distributed energy resources like the consumers partners and allow them to participate with you to create a value ecosystem with both gains the both are parties gain but then if you consider some other utility where loss is a problem there is heavy losses network is in a poor bad shape power purchase cost is a very very high compared to the billing revenue that you are getting generated in other words we call it in a technical jargon called uh, acs minus arr gap apply okay. versus average revenue required so that gap if it is positive so their priorities will be different so their priorities towards a smart urban grid will be different mm. okay so uh, very aptly if you see the revamped distribution scheme of the government of india where they have said mm. that the objective of such scheme is to bring the acs minus error gap to zero in the next three years so if you are bringing the last uh, 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 the level pan india less than 15% Yeah. that means the government is trying to bring all the utilities far and then move in the next orbit but that will take some time puni yeah so uh, policy imperatives are very much there which drive this penetration and dissemination of the smart urban grid yeah no i i, I absolutely agree that it's it's not uh, it, the policy is also very important part of this whole ecosystem because then only there is a way forward uh, and 
while we are doing this there is now new technology constantly coming in in terms of digitization that we are discussing and then there is new technology in terms of energy sources as well. uh especially with what we are bringing net metering for uh and something like solar does cause it, it's all good but it also has its own sets of challenges specifically for the grid infrastructure uh so how and when we are talking about uh, distributed energy resources uh how can a, a distribution company plan for such kind of radiation how can they manage it in its best way possible sure so this is a very apt question so first of all you should be aware as to what your grid currently is capable of that means you need to have a baseline study that's what we that was done by many utilities and uh, utilities have done across the globe we have also done yeah. uh baselining of the network studies as is network how much hosting capacity or the distributed energy resources is there without operation of the grid hmm. that is possible and once the baselining is done uh there was no looking back so for example we can say that up to 75% of the distributed transformer rated capacity covalent solar can be deployed without any worries in terms of the production system of the dt failing or reverse power flow etc etc okay. okay these are all studies done scientifically through the usage of uh, tools through specialized agencies multilateral agencies are there yeah so that readiness has to be there which was done in delhi for example and many utilities i'm sure would have done that that is number one to assure that if you are allowing more and more penetration of the dr yeah and now other thing is the ev connectivity so now we are working on hybrid ev and pv connectivity how hmm. you can have a complementarity and synergetic relationship derived between pv and pv for example when the pv is generating more in the and, and pumping the electricity into the grid raising the voltage etc when it is not required why can't it be used to charge the electric vehicle there and then without pumping into the grid yeah okay so then there are policy imperatives which can promote such ev pv integration synergy hmm. right so we are working in that direction so what i'm saying is this synergetic relationship has to be identified through a well thought of scientific study that has to be a technical study and that is being done and that should translate into suitable modifications in the grid code yeah or regulations which now becomes a law because this is a kind of a rule book for us as per which the grid is being operated yeah so once that grid operation code is formulated based on very good scientific study it yeah. becomes very easy to allow penetration of the distributed energy resources without any fear sure. okay now we are talking about the next orbit we are talking about the transition to a dso so where the operational and the deployment control of a dr should be high high and high in the hands of a discom Hmm. so ultimately when it is both both are high operational and the deployment control the dso becomes a energy services company which you are talking about some some units back okay hmm. so you are providing the complete distributed energy clean energy as a services to the consumer in a hmm. pattern which is very closely knit so consumer is saying that okay you manage my entire show hmm. and you provide me a complete clean energy at a very efficient and reliable cost Yeah. Okay, and that's where uh, the DSOs can make use of the DER for providing low loss, highly reliable, localized, uh, clean generation and clean power supply 
in a fashion which consumer likes. So there would be a time aspect to it, there would be a space aspect to it, there would be quality aspect to it, mm. and that's how. So all these things will come from a. The beginning is the robust scientific study, and then converting, getting converted into a regulation. Puneet, got it. Uh, can you just uh, give full form for DSO so that our audience knows of it? Distributed system operator. I'm sorry, distributed yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. system operator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. not an issue. It's, it's just to uh, so that they are aware of it. Uh, yeah, no, I absolutely get your point, and I think that's a very valid point as well. And uh, especially now, there are new goals that have come up for India as well for the 2030 commitments that we have made. So, and somewhere down the line, electricity or energy, let's put it, is one of the major contributors to the GHG emissions in India. Almost accounting for more than seventy percent, uh, and while we are shifting from coal to uh, solar or other renewable energy sources or non-fossil sources, what are the major hurdles that distribution companies are going to see in developing this kind of system? Because fifty percent of renewable energy coming from uh, energy coming from renewables is going to be a lot. Which is not really unheard of, but it's not the easiest way to do it for such a big country. Yeah, yeah. So, Puneet, I mean, uh, uh, from an external point of view, it might seem like very difficult and off. And uh, I'll give you a practical example. You know, sure. so solar target by 2022, you know, it was only 20 gigawatt earlier. Yeah. Then it was made 175 gigawatt. Yeah. And you, you are aware we have already crossed 100 gigawatt in August this year. Yeah. Yeah. And as a country, we are very close to achieving that 175 gigawatt by the 2022 end, December 2022. Yeah. So only thing is, we have to have a correct policy perspective backed by technology innovation in place. So as mm-hmm. to motivate a sector to grow in a fast manner. You see the solar prices were hovering around 11 to 12 rupees a unit. Today it is less than uh, about 2 rupees per unit. About 2 rupees, yeah. Technological innovation, policy innovation. And some kind of initial policy support by the government, starting from value uh, VGF, viable gap funding, to some kind of say PC, uh, POC charges waiver, yeah. POC losses waiver were given earlier. Now POC loss waiver has been removed, and slowly the POC charges waiver will be removed. So yeah. initial nudge of the support from the government was required. Yeah. So similarly, this addition of 500 gigawatt by 2030. Yeah. 50% of generation mix from renewable is not a very far-sighted thing. And I'll tell you why. Our country, for example, we have already done studies in terms of how to integrate utility-scale RE into our grid, transmission preparedness, number one. Mm. That was a study done by NREL a few years back for power grid. Mm. Then in the next phase, we are studying what role the battery storage and uh, pump storage can play into that. And as you are aware, Puneet, the government of India has already rolled out PLI-based schemes for manufacturing of the advanced chemistry cell batteries in our country, mm. gigafactories for rooftop solar, I'm sorry, solid solar panel manufacturing, including the complete value chain, ingots, papers, modules, and then complete assembly line, inverter, etc. And now they are talking about manufacturing of electrolyzers in our country. So mm. the government is totally clear that if you have to achieve this, you have to make in India. And yeah. therefore, the cost is going to come down. Now, coming to the part of R integration. So, you are yeah. saying that these are all variable sources of energy. Wind is blowing, may not be blowing. Sun is shining, may not be shining. 
what happens to the stability part of the bank? That also can be dealt in two ways, which are is which is being already done. One is the technology improvement, improvement in the forecasting. They had an intraday forecasting. Right, number one. Number two is in the same vein, geographical spread of the utility scale solar and wind projects, making them hybrid. So maybe wind is blow, not blowing in Karnataka, but it's blowing in Rajasthan. Hmm. Or sun is not shining here, sun is shining there. Hmm. Second part is policy perspective. How you can deepen the power market? How can product you you can bring in more value added products? For example, recently Honorable Supreme Court of India has given clearance that hmm. financial uh, based market products for power sector is allowed, and SEBI is going to regulate that. Hmm. So we are now on a next orbit in the power sector, power markets, and then other thing is the introduction of proposed introduction of market-based economic dispatch. So these products, and the third one is real-time market. Hmm. These products are going to help integrate variability of the renewable energy and support it by uh, other sources which are more flexible sources of the power. Other hmm. enablers are, for example, regulations in terms of the draft and sales service regulations. Maybe other components on the or the products on the market like green dam or green dam, and so many innovations are already going on. So in mm-hmm. a nutshell, technological advancements and second is the policy advancements, both taken together, mm-hmm. can do wonder. The third and most important thing, mm-hmm. the distributed energy resources, the recognition of the DER as a component of the grid, recognition of the battery energy storage as a component of the grid, definition of it. Opening up the retail sector, which is on the annual round, for example, mandating introduction of the smart metering infrastructure by 2025, uh, prepaid mm-hmm. smart meters you might have heard of. Yeah. So all these things are pointing towards a country where there is access to clean energy, 50% of energy coming from the renewable energy sources, consumer mm-hmm. rights are preserved, they have the right to clean green energy at a reasonable cost and the level of service offerings by the discount to them is at a fairly high level. Yeah. Now coming in the smart meters, you are going to get much more specialized energy related services the customers can get inside into their consumption patterns, yeah. optimize the same energy efficiency and renewable integration go hand in hand fully. No, absolutely. And there, there are quite a lot of uh, good points coming out and I'm, I'm just getting more and more curious now. So. Uh, there is there is this whole set of things that a uh, grid and distribution company is now doing is making sure that we are advancing. Uh, on the other hand, uh, well, majorly grid distribution companies are uh, state subject. Some cases might differ, but apart from that, then there are city subjects that we are looking at. And when we are looking at urban specific area, how can municipal corporations help in this whole process of creating such? Because I feel somewhere these cities are a component which consume most amount of electricity. Let's say that industries we have taken out because most of the industries are outside of that city boundary. Uh, so industries can become also one of those major companies. But cities also become one of the major companies. So how can they make sure that these grids are most uh, viable, visible, whatever it is? Sure, So... Uh, you might remember the urban local bodies or the MCDs yeah. as we know, uh, municipal corporations. Yeah. In fact, the electric utilities were used to be part of the urban local bodies once upon a time, few years back, 10-15 years back. 
20 years back, maybe more than that. So they were all integrated. At least in Delhi, it was integrated. And mm-hmm. I have seen in many places they are integrated. For example, today also in New Delhi Municipal Council area, the same uh, body is the urban local body and that same body is the DISCOM licensee also. So there is a lot of synergy between what an urban local body does and what an electric utility does. Mm-hmm. Now, urban local body is one of the most important consumer of electricity by the virtue of the services it provides to the society, be mm-hmm. it street lighting, be it urban marketplaces so, uh, as a service, be it maybe uh, Sulab Swachalais, uh, those yeah. kind of services, banking services, be it uh, complete cleaning services for the localities, be it other services like, for example, you, you provide uh, utility services like birth certificate, death certificate, all those kind of things. Yeah. Okay. So they are one of the biggest consumers of electricity across. And they are also uh, many places like in Delhi also, they are operating schools yeah. as well. MCD schools are there, education yeah. services. They are also facilitating in some of the places medical services. Hmm. Okay, to the society. Now, uh, and uh, they are heavy consumers of city, and therefore, if they become smarter yeah. and efficient, yeah. uh, they, they support the smart grid. I'll tell you an example. In Delhi, I think Delhi was one of the first cities in the country where all the street lights were converted to smart LEDs. Yeah. Uh, LED-based lighting. Okay. Yeah. In a single stroke, we uh, reduced the consumption of the Delhi uh, as far as street lights were concerned. Yeah. While improving on the lumens or yeah. the lighting capability yeah. of the street light, the utilities or smart utilities or urban local bodies are putting in public Wi-Fi in, in place, CCTV yeah. cameras, in place, for example, smart uh, traffic lighting system, yeah, okay, smart urban services to the yeah. consumers, transportation services to the consumer, last mile services, for example, yeah, metro, any metro is, for example, providing you last mile services. Yeah, but, uh, like buses or, or small. So those are all now being converted into electric vehicles, for example. So more and more usage of the city. So there has to be a synergy. We are working together with the urban local bodies in providing smart charging infrastructure in the public parking lots. That is number one. Yeah. Street lights, I already mentioned about it. Then smart cooling, district cooling, smart heating services. Not much mm-hmm. smart heating in Delhi, but more of smart cooling and district cooling, which is a much more potential area where mm-hmm. the two can collaborate and provide more efficient cooling solutions because cooling load is the most important load. 50% of our lo- uh, load requirement is coming from cooling requirement only. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yes, urban local bodies have to play a very important role. And I'm glad in, in Delhi, we can see a lot of synergy between the electric utilities and the urban local bodies in providing citizens yeah. uh, and common services to the uh, citizens yeah. yeah no that that's true that's true and i think that's a very important clause as well and uh, it's it's again street lights is something i feel uh, people don't realize how much uh, we have actually saved uh, by just changing street lights uh, which is a huge factor uh, but so yeah now we are getting some kind of a feeling that okay what all things are actually possible to do in urban smart grids or let's say smart grids in general itself now for to take it to the next step uh what all things do we need uh what kind of new policies and technology are currently uh, being worked upon which can help in making sure that okay today delhi for sure is uh, going forward but other cities can also go forward. Other states can also go forward. 
what kind of such policy and technological push do we need on those lines? Sure. So the push uh, by the government in, in the concept of the smart cities is a very well thought of, where not only electricity, but also different public utility services, including, say, for example, Wi-Fi, because we can't yeah. live without food, shelter, water, air, and now Wi-Fi also. Yeah. Today, these days, right? So, and basic services, cooking services, for example, uh, giving you a piped natural gas connection, for example. Yeah. Maybe Wi-Fi is there. Home delivery of different services. Yeah. Clean and clean neighborhoods yeah. where the, uh, you know, uh, biological uh, waste or any other waste, ecological uh, dispersal uh, or management of the waste. Yeah. That is very, very important. Sewage management. Yeah. Smart uh, cycling or uh, recycling of the waste is very very good. circular economy is coming to the so the smart city concept is the concept where it is becoming self-sustained it can act as a big island in case there is a grid failure yes there are enough uh, technologies available in terms of the distributed energy resources like solar rooftop battery yes. energy storage electric vehicles coming in which can also maybe one day they will also through the v2g services they can act as a uh, rescue uh, devices they can pump electricity in the grid when required yeah. so in islanding mode these cities can operate at least the vital critical loads for at least for some time till the time the grid is restored for example yeah so the government is planning on the islanding schemes as far as electricity grid is concerned for majority of these cities the planning of the smart cities in terms of the concepts which I explained uh, a while ago. So uh, mm -hmm. these and technologies, uh, distributed energy technologies, Wi-Fi technologies, uh, you have uh, hardware and software both in place. Mm -hmm. First of all, communication backbone like Wi-Fi uh, could be one of the solutions, could be optical fiber, could be microcells, could be access to the public, secure Wi-Fi, cyber security services, very, very important. Provision of smart medical services, advanced medical services. People don't have to travel a lot for uh, smart medical services. Educational services, which could be uh, very uh, smart in the sense it can be delivered online. These days, you have a lot of schools, colleges, courses being done online mm -hmm. and not at a compromise on the quality aspect as well, for example. Mm -hmm. Many such courses are being delivered. So such services to the, in fact, the idea is to work upon the Human Development Index, HDI. Hmm. Improve upon the FDI of the people or the citizens who are residents of this smart city. So you talked hmm. about technology, Puni. So technology encompasses everything. Today, right now, when we are speaking, we are using technology. Yeah. Okay. The idea is a very robust uh, communication backbone that becomes very, very important today. The bandwidth yeah. is very, very important. It is important for smart control and command center by the district police headquarters, for example. A yeah. very closely lit CCTV camera network so that crime rate is very checked. In. Yeah. Application of AI and ML technologies for uh, preventive crime maintenance, crime, prevention of crime, for example. Cyber yeah. squads becoming very, very important. Drones yeah. becoming very important in, in uh, humanless delivery of services. It is being piloted already in, in India also. Amazon using drones yeah. for delivering some of the goods, for example. Okay, and electric cars technology is coming in, arriving in, yeah. and you have a whole lot of smart home concepts uh, where you are trying to make your home smart, automation of the home, 
smart lighting concepts, optimization of the complete electricity usage yeah. uh, at your home, while you are inside home or away from the home. Anywhere you are, you can manage your home. You can manage yeah. your workplace. Okay, yeah. so all these technologies are touching our lives and they are a very important integral part of the concept of the smart cities which the government is working upon for you. I absolutely agree with that. And uh, so one of the things I feel over here is that generally, uh, again, when we are talking about all these kind of infrastructure coming into play, all these kind of, and especially energy infrastructure, is very expensive, be it anything. And that is where you have generally higher capex and even the business models are changing quite a lot uh, with new and new uh, technology coming in. So for EV as well, a lot new kind of business models are coming up now. So what all different kinds of financial innovations are now required in which sectors uh, specifically on these lines? Because somewhere it's about increasing REs, increasing better public transport, and making sure that your grid infrastructure still remains very stable. On the whole so what kind of such financial innovations would be required sure Puneet. see uh, any technology upgrade or infrastructure which has to be put in requires money yeah. now the idea is to find out what kind of financial engineering can be done so that the cost of the money cost of the capital is the minimum yeah. and the cost to the ordinary citizenry also is on a lower side yeah ultimately everybody every money and every single rupee is coming from the taxpayers money only Okay, so the idea and objective is to how to make the most of the buck we are getting in the form of the taxes from the taxpayers' yeah. money, right? Yeah. And then create assets out of it. So when you create assets out of the taxpayers' money, that asset yeah. is spinning money. Money yeah. is creating money. That becomes it becomes self-sustainable in few years. Yeah. I'll give you two examples. One is when you use the MNRE subsidy towards the rooftop solar, capex yeah. subsidy, for example, 40% up to 3 yeah. kilowatt, club that with a state matching subsidy and mm. also a generation incentive to promote more solar generation from that, yeah. you are creating a solar asset which is going to produce electricity for the next 25 years with no or nil fuel in input cost. Yeah. Right? And the maintenance is also very, very low. When you are creating such assets in a, a very Plant fashion. Yeah. Such asset will be much cheaper than, uh, say, for example, coal asset, where the fuel is anywhere there and there is escalation in the fuel cost or a gas asset. So, investment in such kind of asset actually has, if you take an NPV of the total cost of operation, yeah. much, much less compared to the coal asset or a gas asset. The government has realized yeah. that and therefore you see that in every policy articulation the government is making. So smart city is more and more load centered generation, more and more uh, generation uh, which is clean. Yeah. Even inside the smart cities or periphery, if there is a wind potential, you can have wind turbines inside the cities also. True. And anyway, the distributed rooftop solar or ground mounted solar is there coupled with the battery energy storage. So as to have a deep decarbonization. Then second example is promotion of more and more per capita usage of the city. Yeah. Once you have these green electricity in place, availability in plenty, why don't you shift your energy needs from other sources to electricity? For example, mm -hmm. oil can be shifted to electricity, cooking gas can be shifted to electricity, or 
in some sense, it can be shifted to hydrogen, which the government is talking about today. Hydrogen is also yeah. very, very cheap fuel, not today, but maybe they are saying by 2030, $1 a kg or something like that, they are promising. Today, yeah. it might be $3.5 a kg. So, the deep decarbonization, self-dependence in the energy actually takes care of your financial engineering needs. Hmm. So, in my view, if you are investing money uh, just for the sake of paying your uh, uh, deficit, that is a waste of money and the total cost of ownership will be on a very high side. Mm -hmm. Again, you talk about the electric vehicles, you say that it is very, very costly. There are subscription models available today. You talk about the OEMs in our country, they are offering you subscription models for the uh, electric vehicle. You want to yeah. own it, you can uh, outweigh, go ahead for the capex, invest money and uh, buy it. But you want to subscribe it, you can subscribe it at an annual subscription, you subscribe it for one year, two years and leave it. So yeah. such kind of subscription model is going to help you. Again, you talk about the electric buses in the fleets of the urban local bodies, for example. There could be a complete outright purchase of these buses by the urban local body and operate it. Mm. But there could be revenue sharing model. They are saying that, okay, uh, you operate, own and operate and, uh, the buses here. I'll create a charging infrastructure for you because that is one of the major costs you're going to incur. I'll provide you with services. You operate the buses, charge the buses, design the batteries, design the uh, routes as per your requirement so that the cost of travel and cost of operation is the minimal using your supply chain planning. Mm -hmm. And we do the revenue sharing. So such kind of things are happening. And then you, when you do a socialization of the resources, crowdsourcing of the funding uh, of such kind of resources becomes very, very easier. Mm -hmm. For example, you are providing public Wi-Fi services which is secure. And that provides a lot of ample advertisement uh, opportunities, hmm. okay, using the data services being provided. And yeah. that itself pays for those public Wi-Fi services being used, yeah. those platforms. Mobile apps are being used for so many things. For example, booking your movie, shopping on Amazon, maybe booking a charging station or doing so many things. Yeah. You have a lot many apps on that. That is taking care of deploying of the services for the mobile apps yeah. okay even like for example google and etc they are offering the search engine services to the consumers for free but it is not for free yeah okay because there is an ecosystem which is getting uh, created which is generating money out of it google sure. ad clicks for example very famous example no i agree i agree i'm, I'm sure that uh, these these new and new models will make sure that the accessibility of things uh, remains high and i think that is what is again required to make sure that there is a positive loop towards going towards deep the uh, deep decarbonization as well so coming to uh, one of the last questions that we generally ask everyone is on the lines of uh, now this is a very interesting field there are there is a lot of scope and with scope comes a lot of skill sets that will be required to actually make sure that these things come to reality as well so what are some of the different skill sets you see are important uh, for the future of this field? If I get your question correctly, you are saying what are the different com concepts you are saying? Uh, no, no, skill uh, sets as in jobs and kind skill of. Set. Oh, sorry, yeah, skill yeah. set. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. sure. See, skill set, you talk about the skill sets. First of all, it has to be the soft skills. Mm -hmm. So the inertia, because humans are uh, prone to inertia. Okay, we don't mm -hmm. need to change. We don't want to change. Okay. Yeah. So first of all, we need to see that the change is the only constant. We have to yeah. make our mind that whatever we are seeing today might not be there tomorrow. And mm -hmm. we are prepared for it. That is very easier said than done. 
Okay, so that is the biggest skill one should have. Now then everything becomes easier. For example, you talk about uh, capacity building uh, exercises, right? So in, in IT sector, for example, where I also uh, have an experience, you have to quickly learn and unlearn uh, the technologies which are coming. Yeah, and that is a constant cycle. You can't help it. So yeah. today you are learning a version of C plus plus. Tomorrow it is gone. Today you mm. are learning Salesforce. Tomorrow it is gone. Today you are learning Java. Tomorrow it is gone, and something else has come up. Analytics, Python. Today you are learning. Tomorrow it, it is it is R. Day after yeah. it could be something else. Yeah. Okay, things are evolving. So first of all, the analytics, analytical capability, quick learning and unlearning capability, mm. grasping capability has to be there. I'm, I'm stressing more on soft skills. That is yeah. very very important. Then comes your academics. So if you are uh, purely into smart urban grid kind of phenomena, yeah, you should have some kind of analytical background. I'm not saying only engineering, yeah, but some kind of analytical background where you have more and more analytical capabilities built into you. You can yeah. appreciate why things there. Yeah, and then comes the on-job trainings or maybe academic trainings. In terms of new technologies, in terms of uh, new domain knowledges, you talk about electric vehicle technology today. The battery chemistry could be something else. Day after tomorrow, it could be something else. So these are all ongoing processes which can be imbibed upon. So you need to have a couple. If you talk about an institution or organization, they should work upon a complete continuous learning process. Mm -hmm. For example, IITs they have a continuous continuation uh, continued education program CEPs, for example. Yeah, this has been a very old scheme, but very relevant scheme. So you did earn your degree at IIT, for example, but yeah. then over a period of years, so many new things are happening. So you go back to your alma mater yeah. and gain insights into it. Come back. So yeah. today, this is very easy. You don't have to go physically somewhere. You are simply yeah. sitting over here. You are attending courses from global universities. True. They are available at your fingertips. Okay, yeah. Stanford or, or maybe European universities, even IITs, IIMs, collaborations, management degree, scientific degree, science, engineering, everything is available. Yeah. Right. So the need is uh, to have that urge in you to continuously improvise, to continuously reinvent yourself. Yeah. So that will help in, in, in preparing yourself for this urban smart grid concept to be actually imbibed. Both from the point of view of an implementer, but yeah. also from the point of view of a user. The user also has to appreciate that. Otherwise, the smart is for the user only. True, true. Yeah, thank you so much. This was this was quite comprehensive on those lines. All and I I do agree that uh, constant learning and learning is something uh, in this day and age is a very important skill set for everyone. Uh, if I have missed out on any points uh, while our discussion, and you would like to bring it up, I think uh, we can bring that right now before we end the session. Uh, yeah. So uh, in, when you talk about the urban smart grid, there is something called grid connected mini grid also. So okay. that is nothing but a subset of the urban smart grid. Okay. So even in urban smart grids, you need some kind of islanded mode of operation, especially when the grid fails. Okay. So uh, there have been experiments going on. We have also experimented, for example, here. Hmm. So the uh, uh, smart urban mini grid would constitute of not only the load but also the sources capability of working in an islanded mode, 
as well as the grid connected more so that there is a mm. business viability it can support the grid and earn money out of it so this is also possible uh, uh, for construct for a uh, off grid in, mm. in uh, semi urban and uh, rural constructs yeah where the grid is not mm. there but if they have capability of connecting with the smart grid main grid yeah that becomes viable that becomes viable the uh, local grid and especially yeah. this is very true for far flung geographical areas so that I, i thought that can be also be a part sure sure no that thank you so much that was surely a uh, good added information over and cherry on the top kind of thing thank you so much uh thank you so much mr abhishek uh it was surely a very interesting conversation and i'm i'm sure like i'm still trying to figure out everything that we have spoken about i'm sure the audience is going uh, uh, will uh, feel the same as well which is good in a way that uh, they can now get to learn about more and more things on these uh, in this field as well thank you so much uh, for your invaluable knowledge thank you puneet and thanks for this opportunity thank you thank you for tuning into the podcast do subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and follow us on all social media channels for more details about the climate center for cities and registration on climate practitioners india network click on the link in the show notes the episode is conceptualized and produced by punit gandhi a big thank you to the whole team at cqube and niua for supporting the development of the podcast stay tuned for the next episode